2: Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Sam. Tam. How you? Doing? What is in your back? Where are you? Oh, God. Can I just tell you something? You always look like you're in a hidden hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like in an underground bunker. No. Yeah. Honestly, I am in the in our bedroom, but you know. Why oh. is it dark? Okay. So I turned the lights off. I was trying to play with the lighting a little bit. Oh, I was
3: like, you're trying to be able to move uh-huh. you're like, I'm an artist. Yeah.
2: I'm like, can't you see the light?
3: do you have a purple pillow in your bed okay i haven't seen that
2: you know why there's a purple pillow on my bed
3: i don't know if i want to know
2: <laughs> well you know whose pillow that belongs to that would oh, be oh that's my-
3: right your daughters you sleep with her which is why you have no sex life
1: <laughs>
2: exactly so yeah she's uh yeah. you know infiltrated the bed not only has she infiltrated the bed we also have the three canines that sleep in our room too. So this
3: I would hate that
1: crate no. over
3: here. Oh yes. No. Oh yes. Oh yes. So I have my husband sleeping mostly in the spare room, and my kids sleeping in their room. And I start with him sleeping in my room, but then he snores, and then I'm like, I try to be nice about it for the first like two hours. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> honey, can you go on? Because when he when he sleeps, this is I don't know. If, david snores or not but when he sleeps on one side in one position Mm. he doesn't snore it's like Mm -hmm. the most perfect sound sleep you can ever imagine but the minute he moves from that position it's like so loud right yeah so every night for two hours i'm like hey honey can you move to the left and prop your head up pillow and he's half asleep so they'll be like "Eh, eh, yeah and i'll be like but just a little more okay okay and i'm like i treat him like a child just a little bit more okay get your head up okay and then it stops and then he like falls again or moves or whatever with his body and then he starts snoring again so after two hours i'm like spare him
2: (laughs) damn it you are um about a million times nicer than i am when date when my husband snores all I I pinch his nose. I go like, oh. "You do not." And so he's like, "That's called murder." <laughs> Is it? Is it really? Um, I think so. He's like still stopping here. like
3: airflow coming out of your husband's cuz what yeah. if it was like 2 seconds too long?
2: I guess we have to find that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's still here today as you'll see later. So Well, not for long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this rate, if he continues to snore, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You
3: no, know, you'll put all of a sudden there'll be like the, the pink pillow, right. <laughs> the
2: purple pillow.
3: I don't the know. Pink I think sleep it. is so important. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want people in my bed.
2: So. Oh, my God, girl. It's just it's too much. I feel like I cannot get restful sleep because we have so many visitors in our bedroom yeah. that it's like, I don't even know. But I don't even know how to stop it. Like at this point, I'm it's like, like a, yeah, you're serious? in the rut. We're yeah. in the ride. And do we just like go with it? Or do we like really put our foot down right now? I'm torn.
3: Well, maybe we can ask our next guest how he sleeps at night. Because yes. I think he probably, I don't know. I know he probably sleeps with his wife, but maybe I don't, his skin's so good that- um <laughs> I feel like he sleeps a lot <laughs> like, right? because I feel like he can only do so much. And if you don't leave a healthy, lead a healthy lifestyle, through are like what you eat and exercise and also like how you sleep. I think it really does affect your skin. I look terrible when I don't <laughs> sleep. Um, so <sighs> I bet he sleeps a lot. So who do we have next? Roxy Soxy.
2: We have a very special guest on today. You know, I'm going to look at my cue card right now because he has got so much. He's so qualified in what he does. His name is Tanuj Nakra. Mm -hmm. He is a double board certified facial and ophthalmic plastic surgeon. That was a good one. That's why I left it to you. It's a tongue twister. (laughs) It's a tongue twister. twister. He went to UCLA. He went to school as well in Chicago. He's originally from London, England. So who knew that? That's like a little fun bit. Um, currently lives in Austin. He has developed his own cosmetic procedures. Mm-hmm, which is amazing. Yes. Freaking amazing is right. Um, he loves music. He has a rescue dog, which you know. he does. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know <laughs> a lot about this man, Roxy. I do. I do. And the best part is I went to school with his wife, Nitty, since the time we were 12 years old. She's oh, such high an amazing person. So amazing. I want to be like
3: her. When I met her, because I was in yes. Austin and I met them. I was like, you know, when you meet people and you're like, you can't hate them because they're just so amazing, but then you also hate them because they're so amazing and you're not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I want to be that amazing, but like, they're so amazing that you still like him. Well, that's his yeah. <laughs> life. Yes.
2: She's like, she's honestly the best. And I feel so privileged to have known that the two of them now for a very long time. So without yes. further ado, let's welcome Dr. tanuja Nakra to the show. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Thank
4: you so much. Thank you for that awesome, awesome intro. You guys are pretty awesome yourselves. I've known both know. a little bit.
2: Roxy is. And,
3: well, yes. Yeah, she is.
2: it's all you. <laughs> um,
3: I have a question for you. And I well, not a question, but I want you to tell this story because we're gonna get into a lot of what you do. And you know. I'm in my late thirties and, um, I've noticed late there. I don't really want to say it. My birthday's next week. And I'm like, I'm just, I've actually lied to my daughter about how old I am because (laughs) I don't want her to mention it to other people. So I've told her that I'm 32. And so she tells everyone I'm 32 and I'm like, I got to work backwards to like how old I was. And then I know it's going to screw up and she's going to have to go therapy for it. But, um, but she thinks I'm 32. So for all for all the people out there, I'm not 32. But I've noticed that like at a certain age, I think it was about 35, mm. I was like, wait a second. Like my face isn't even structurally looking the way it used to. Like in the beginning, like in the late year, late 20s, you notice a few things, like a few fine lines, and a few wrinkles and you're like, oh, maybe I'll you know do something here, do something there. But I think like at 35, something happens and I want you to tell me what- but like your whole face structure, I feel like even your nose starts to get bigger. (laughs) You know, what happens at 35?
4: Well, it's kind of a loaded question. There's so many things that happen Uh, and you're right. That is a common time that a lot of people start to notice aging changes of their face. I would say that probably the main thing that changes in our thirties is volume loss in our face. That Mm -hmm. starts to become Mm -hmm. one of the primary things that becomes noticeable. People start to notice, Wrinkles around their eyes, they start to notice maybe a little heaviness around their eyes, and maybe even some early jowling. A lot of that is because we, we're just losing volume slowly over time. And mid 30s is when it starts to show up in a lot of us.
2: Right. Interesting. Okay. So for the people that have now rounded the corner to 40, once you've hit 40, she never told me that before. <laughs> I didn't say I was 40. I said for the people <laughs>
1: that have rounded the corner. <laughs> <quarter. laughs>
2: of what is like for the next decade of life like what can people expect to have happened to their face
4: well so there's let's back up for one sec there's Mm. basically three changes that happen with our face with aging there's sun damage and just environmental damage to the skin Mm. that's one change that just slowly happens as we get older the second change we mentioned was volume loss we start to lose our fat volume and our skin turgor as we get older and then the third change is gravity starts to kick in and we start to have descent of the forehead and the face and so it's that third change that really starts to show up in the 40s is the gravity component and so that's why you'll start to find people starting to use botox and fillers you know fillers are a nice way to treat volume loss that's not surgery and Botox treats some of the gravity changes that starts to happen around the eyes. And so these are wonderful tools. Botox and fillers are non-surgical. They can be used safely. Uh, mm-hmm. The track record is really, really safe for, for almost decades, really, for, for these, these uh, products. Um, they can be overused. And I'm sure there's lots of examples you can think of of where you know someone has a frozen forehead. Famous actress in Nashville is one good example. Uh, lots of filler in the face.
3: Not, not
2: you, Tammin. Like, oh, I was
3: like, me? I've never had that. <laughs> no, no, not not Her name else. rhymes
2: with Blamin Burbuck. <laughs>
3: Blamin Bur. I'm like, that's, my-, that's my name.
4: <laughs> so, you know, I think the gravity starts to kick in in the 40s, and that's when people really start to notice their aging. And, you know, I think that it's not just the age uh, that's on your birth certificate, it's also accumulation of your life that has taken you to that point. Mm -hmm. I I really do believe that there's a lot of stressors that create aging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people who live a stressful life, people who um, are not taking care of their skin or their health, it shows. And we we know that. We've seen people who, you know, there's so many sayings in in pop culture of living a hard life. And Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at all the, You know, all the rock stars out there, when they start to get in their 60s and 70s, it really, really shows, right? Mm. So living a hard life um, does take a toll on your skin, you know, accelerates aging. And that actually happens on a genetic level, which is, and it shows up in the skin.
2: Mm. (laughs) Oh <laughs> like, yeah. my! before you take you know, that next margarita put it down well I think
4: well a margarita once in a while probably <laughs> I know
2: it's actually good for her, stress right, right? yeah,
4: yeah. <sighs> especially with young kids sleeping in your bed oh, and the dog. oh my just- god
3: I think sleep is such a huge factor you know yeah I've eaten and lived my lifestyle mainly because of anxiety because the way that I exercise and eat and sleep and take supplements and drink water I do it for my mental health and I do think Um, When I've gone in and I've seen you and we did facials, like I've been told that my skin age is younger and -hmm. it was never an intention for that. I think it was just because I hated to go party at night because I got anxiety and social anxiety. So I feel like because I was doing those things in my 20s and 30s, which were actually helpful, I do think as I get into my late 30s and my 40s that I do notice that it's not as bad as it could be, you know, Mm -hmm. but I am noticing, you know, especially around the eyes. I, it's this, it's this hard place for me because I'm telling my daughter to love herself and Mm. to accept herself. And she said to me last night, she was like, you know, my face, I don't want it to be this shape or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, you're beautiful. And I love you. And she's like, well, what about my body? And I'm like, and I love your body. But then I don't know if I feel that way about myself mm-hmm. and, you know, I get nervous because I do want to do Botox and we've spoken about this. And I said, if I'm going to do Botox, I'm going to do it with you. Cause I am so scared mm-hmm. that I'm going to go blind. I <laughs> know I'm not <laughs> scared about anything else just that I'm going to go blind. And then I don't know why I think I'm the only person who's going to go blind. Cause there's not a lot of people who've had it happen to them, but like, how do I, how do you live in a world that you want to feel good and you want to look your best but also you want to practice a lot of self-love and acceptance and also teach your children that.
4: That is really an amazing topic that I think about a lot. You know, I, I recognize that I'm a cosmetic surgeon and Mm. I spent most of my days making people look better. Um, And uh, you know, but I also have um, a wife who's very grounded. You guys both know her. Mm. Um, And we're, we're raising a 14 year old daughter who asks very similar questions. And, you know, we try to live our lives uh, in a very wholesome manner. I, You know, I personally try to uh, explain to my patients that there's a dichotomy that exists just being human. Mm -hmm. So yes, of course, I think we all recognize that the meaning of life is all about our life experiences and our relationships and things that are not superficial. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, we're human and we're just sort of hardwired to care about aesthetics. I mean, look,
1: yeah. I mean, even
4: even people like Deepak Chopra get a haircut, right? I right. mean, yeah. so, you know, just um, there's actually a really interesting uh, famous study mm. uh, of newborn infants called preferential looking, where wow. if you take a two week old baby and you show this baby faces that are considered beautiful according to modern aesthetic standards Mm -hmm. and you mix in faces that are not considered beautiful Mm -hmm. they preferentially look at the pretty faces Mm -hmm. and that's in a two-week old infant and so we actually have it hardwired into our head that we prefer aesthetically beautiful faces Mm -hmm. and um, another example of that is um, my family just had this lovely lovely vacation in africa where we went on safari and saw all of the you know, all the animals, the zebras, the giraffes and everything. There was this moment where we were watching this group of elephants and these two young males were kind of arguing basically with, with grunts and with their body language. Um, and this is a common activity for, for young males of all species. Um, and the elephants would actually push their ears out and make themselves look bigger than they really are. And so even other animals, take try to take on forms that they're not to get mm. outcomes that they're looking for. Mm. And so so yes, you know, I'm all for being real. I teach my daughter that it doesn't matter what she looks like and we love her for who she is and we're trying to instill those values in her. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, modern aesthetic treatments are simple and safe and if you're doing these procedures in a way that's balanced with the other aspects of your life mm. there's nothing wrong with it it's just part of being human mm-hmm. and i know that's hard to explain to a young teen. No, yeah
3: mm-hmm. but
4: that's sort of the way i look at it that's the way i explain it to to my patients and uh and, and so i think it's okay to have this sort of dichotomy because that's mm-hmm. just be, being human
2: mm-hmm. you know it's an interesting point because for so long um i sort of thought to myself you know like Botox, you know, fillers. I'm not gonna do that because that's like putting things, you know, into my body. Like I, I was like, okay, it's one thing to take something out, but to put You're like in, I'll do know, I'll do lipo, yeah. right? I'm like, I'll cut something out, I'll suck it out, whatever. Um <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sort of rounding the corner now on that. And I'm rethinking my whole opinion because. Like you're saying, I feel like, you know, there's such a stigma behind it, right? Some people really love doing injectables. You know, they're really into it. They feel good about it. And if they feel good about it, why shouldn't they do it, right? But then it also gets like a bad rap as well. So like, what do you say to that? What is like the drawing point? Like, do you ever have to turn people away that you think, you know, should maybe not go the injectables route? Like, Mm -hmm. is there like a fine line? Like, what is that line? You
4: know? Absolutely. Yeah. So there, there, there's definitely a line. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think the line is, there's two lines. One line is if something is done, it's got to look natural. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately one of the trends that's happening these days is we have a normalization of unnatural looking faces. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, you'll see, you know massive lips and full cheeks and it's just so unnatural looking but unfortunately it's becoming normalized and so yeah. a lot of young people growing up you know not just women men women all all genders are are sort of used to this being normal i'm worried about that because that's changing the societal standard of what beauty is mm-hmm. i really feel that, that that line is that it has to look natural if you can tell something has been done then it's it's too much um, mm-hmm. and then I think the other line is that people should not be seeking out aesthetic treatments when they're broken on the inside. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, I try to spend a lot of time with my patients. It's probably never enough time. Um, but I have to sometimes take on this role of a therapist and listen and get to know them and try to decide whether this treatment or surgery is really the right thing for them. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not we got to, we have to talk about it. And people can sometimes get disappointed and even angry when we withhold or attempt to kind of explain why what they're looking for is not the right thing for them. Uh, but, but yes, so, so the answer is yes. We, mm. we do say no to people who are trying to get certain treatments done. Uh, we, we try to do the right thing. You know, uh, unfortunately um, it's just never enough time to really spend in sitting inside someone's mind to help decide whether or not we're making the right choice or not. So, so I do think that anybody who's seeking out any kind of cosmetic treatment, um, you know, Botox, fillers, surgery, whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, you really have to ask yourself, you know, what am I trying to achieve here? Do I have the other areas of my life in balance? Am I sleeping enough? Am I eating enough? Is my psychological health being managed? What are my relationships like? Mm -hmm. Because Botox and fillers and surgery are not going to fix that. And they're not going to be a good bandaid for those problems.
3: Mm I think a lot of moms, um, you know, the only surgery I've ever really thought about, I haven't done it yet. And if I do, you'll be the first to know is, um, you know, a lot of moms have babies and their body completely changes. And the only reason I've ever wanted to have surgery is because I sometimes go, well, wait, this isn't my body. Like, this Mm -hmm. is my body now because I had these two beautiful children, but it doesn't really feel like my own. Like, it doesn't feel like my body my stomach, like I had, um, two 10 pound babies. My stomach is more stretched out than normal. I have like a diastasis, whatever that's called, like a Mm -hmm. three finger, which I'd love to get fixed. Um, hurt probably a small hernia, like all of these things that happen with having big babies. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think what happens with women moms is that Mm -hmm. you're like expected to be the happiest you've ever been. And it's like, you know, I just had these children and I'm like the happy I should be super happy. But then you're like miserable looking in the mirror and go, wait a second, I'm not looking at the same body. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of depression and anxiety starts because sure there's other things, but a lot because you are completely confused by what just happened to your body. And I'm sure you see a lot of that too.
4: Absolutely. I I witnessed it firsthand with my wife. You know, we have two children. And, you know, look, I'm I'm a man. And so there's a I'll never be able to fully understand, you know, what my wife and moms out there go through. But what I observed and I understand happens is that it's it's a really traumatic experience for mothers to have this whole this being take over your body. And from a biological standpoint, the the development of a fetus in utero is an extremely selfish process this this being is taking over all of the systems of the mother that it's living within and that sort of philosophically continues into infancy into toddlerhood you know i mean the mother is just focusing her whole life and uh, around these the the, the child and so yes the body does get um, affected uh, maybe even damaged is the right word uh, by, by pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that uh, that whole process certainly is very understandable that it can lead to feelings of depression, maybe frustration as to, you know, what has happened to me by having this child. And so, you know, yes, there are procedures that are designed to improve, you know, the abdomen. Uh, improve uh, different parts of the body that might get affected by pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, those procedures, uh, unfortunately, tend to be a little bit on the larger side in terms of the yeah. world of cosmetic surgery. In terms of what what it requires to tighten the abdomen and to fix the diastasis and to mm-hmm. you know to address uh, any hernias that might be there. But you know, I think that women who decide to undergo that procedure are usually generally very happy to be able to get their shape back. Yeah, Uh, it makes them feel whole once again. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, we're certainly there's there's a there's a big need for that. And and we're very supportive of those procedures.
2: Yeah. So I'm about to drop something on the podcast that I've never talked about before.
3: Uh Oh, I know everything about you. Do you have a third nipple?
2: Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, not that anyone is really even going to care about this or that it even is that big of a deal. But in high school, I did have a rhinoplasty. I
3: did- yes, I, did not I did- know
2: that. Uh huh. Yeah, sure did. But all this to say, you know, I went in. Well, first of all, it was the 90s. Okay. So I roll in with a picture of Paula Abdul because she was like during the day. That tells you how long ago it was (laughs) rolled in with a picture. And I love
4: Paula Abdul
2: (laughs) got to love it. I was like, she has such a great nose. And so I took it in to the surgeon and he was like, you know, thank you so much for bringing your picture in. She does have a lovely nose, but unfortunately that is not going to fit on your face. He's like, I yeah. am going to give you, though, something that will fit on your face and that will look natural and that will look, you know, just undetectable. People are not going to know that you had a nose job. So I thought that was really interesting. So what is that experience like for you, Tanush? Like, Are people... Bringing in pictures, yeah. saying that they want to look like, you know, because we live in such a celebrity driven culture now, yes. too. Yes. And people are like, oh, I want to look like Kim Kardashian or I want to look like, you know, fill in the blank, name the person. It's do you get <laughs> that or is it how what is your technique with that? Do you look at somebody and say, you know, I think that this would look good on you.
4: So I think that is an awesome question mm-hmm. and and congrats for being open about it. You know, I think in 2022 people are more open about things, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's okay. Um, here's something that I also don't talk about very often: is mm-hmm. I had a rhinoplasty myself. Oh, my
3: goodness! Yeah. And um,
4: and Damn so you? I had.
3: <laughs> I was gonna say I have I have also a secret, but I put a deposit. I'm I swear to God, I put a two thousand dollar deposit on a rhinoplasty that I never got in LA. <laughs> Never got, and I know exactly what I'd want done because I thought if they go too much, mm. I'm screwed. Because mm-hmm. I don't hate my nose that much, you know. Like I'm not that dissatisfied with it. In some lights, it's cute. Other times, mm-hmm. I don't like it. But yeah, I was just too afraid with that. I'd rather cut off my stomach.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me answer your question first, and I'll tell you my personal experience with rhinoplasty. So, um I think that rhinoplasty has the power to really be transformative in the right situations, and it all comes down to proportion. So the science of beauty is all proportion. So there's uh, mathematical formulas where you divide the face into fifths and thirds. We look at proportion and projection of the chin and the nose and the forehead, and every face is different. Mm -hmm. And our job as artists slash cosmetic surgeons is try to analyze that three-dimensional structure and to sort through what is going to enhance the proportions of this particular face and the nose is one of those things where when it's out of proportion it can be distracting I think you know cosmetically the job of the nose is just to sort of disappear into the face so that you see the eyes and the mouth and the expressions you're not focusing on the nose and so so that's really I think the role of what uh, rhinoplasty has for the face is to to balance the face, but but similarly, sometimes we'll talk about chin implants or reproportioning the face to get uh, proportional improvements that lead to uh, a better scientific proportion, which is basically what beauty is, mm-hmm. um, and so and so, yes, you know, people do come in with all sorts of um, images that have nothing to do with their face, mm-hmm. but I actually like that, because it starts the conversation, mm-hmm. we, we, sh- we draw contrast between their face and the picture that, th- that they brought in, and uh, I think that the more that a patient is looking at comparisons and understanding what we're thinking as surgeons, mm-hmm. then we can get to a point where we're on the same page of we're in agreement with, here's what the anatomy is, mm-hmm. here's where the quote unquote problem is, and here's the solution we're going to employ to address that problem. And then that's really the, the I would say the formula for a happy cosmetic patient is when the surgeon and the patient and the procedure are all aligned. Mm-hmm. so it sounds like that happened to you mm-hmm. and that's great that you have a beautiful nose
3: oh,
1: so
4: that's you. that's wonderful I, need before um,
1: now. I know Oh, I'll show you
4: before you'll be
2: like yeah.
3: Ooh. you're like maybe that was a good idea <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's so, the thing
2: too like as a plastic yeah. surgeon are you analyzing people's faces like when you look at them you're like huh. oh I could do this and I could do that is that like an automatic thing that you do
4: you know, I, I I wish I would, I could say that I, I don't do that in public, but but it's just kind of wired into what I do. But I really, I, I do a good job of recognizing that I'm not at work and everyday life is a different mm-hmm. thing. And so I, I suppress that part of, you know, the way, I, the way I function, but, mm-hmm. but yes, I, you know, at the grocery store, if there's someone who has some, some major disproportion, I notice it and, you know, and then move like,
3: on. Well, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of trust. I think the reason I never did that to my face is I just didn't trust someone enough to know, ex- you know, I'm such a perfectionist in, in general that mm-hmm. like, I just didn't know if they were going to get it right. And that's a lot of trust. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I always think, cause I follow a lot of people on Instagram, just, cause I find it fascinating. Like you know, nose jobs before and afters. (laughs) And I'm sometimes like, ooh, like that's too much. You know, Mm -hmm. that's gone from like quite a large nose to a very small nose. And I think the person was great before, but maybe if you tweaked it a little bit, great. But now they look like a completely different person. And that's what I was going to ask you, Roxy, like Mm. were you afraid when you took off the bandages that you were like, I'm going to be looking in the mirror And I'm not going to look like me because a lot of times when you do do these nose jobs, especially for Mm -hmm. big noses, that person doesn't look the same. And I've had two friends that have had nose jobs, now three, (laughs) Roxy. (laughs) um, And I knew two of them in high school and they don't look like the same person. Do they Mm -hmm. look prettier? Sure. Do they look better, I guess. Sure. But I don't recognize them.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, and were you worried Roxy when you took those bandages off?
2: So it's an interesting question that you're, that you're asking this because it was such an interesting time because I was 17. So I feel like emotionally I wasn't like fully developed yet. I mean, my face was developed enough to get the procedure done, but Mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I was so unhappy with my nose before that I sort of was like, you know what? Anything anything goes. (laughs) Yeah. Anything goes. Like I was so unhappy. And it's funny, actually, when you do a side by side sure, yes, there's definitely a difference, but it wasn't that drastic, you know? So I think for me in my teenage mind too, I was like, Oh my God, you know, I've got to do, you know, whatever it takes. Like I want this new thing. But I do remember when the bandages came off because back then it was like, you know they'd had the bandages on and your nose was packed and like I, it was just like a whole thing so when everything came off it was so swollen still and it took like weeks if not months for all the swelling to finally right. go down and settle so for a long time i still didn't look like the way i was going to look and i also still had that kind of like teenage face so i'd say right. it wasn't until i was probably in my 20 when i started kind of losing the the baby right. fat and everything that I really saw what I was going to look like, but I think, yes, there was a moment when the bandages came off. Like, when it oh was my so goodness. Swollen. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. I'm so swollen. Like what's going on. I think I did actually cry to my parents too and say, why did you let me do this? Yeah. It, was, it was pretty fleeting, but I think I did have that moment, you know? And
3: then doesn't your nose grow as you get older, meaning, or if you have a nose job, does that nose stay now? Or does it still grow like all of us who have it? Does your nose- So,
4: yeah. So I think it's a, it's a common misconception that the nose grows with aging, but here's what happens because it looks like it does. Mm. What happens is in someone who's not had any surgery and even people who've had surgery, the, the bone and cartilage structure, generally speaking, is not going to change throughout life. But the skin and the subcutaneous fat or the fat under the skin layer does start to shrink and shrink down and also the cheeks lose volume which deproject and so what happens is when the cheeks deproject and the skin starts to shrink wrap onto the nose it looks like the nose is becoming a little bonier and you can see cartilage more and it looks like it's sticking out more so I mean that's something that does happen with aging and um, uh, but uh, but you know just to kind of go back to what you were saying earlier um, I, I think that uh, rhinoplasties can look really strange when they're first, uh, when the cast first comes off. There is a lot of swelling. It can take a whole year for the nose to heal, mm-hmm. so it's really a big deal to make the decision to have rhinoplasty. Mm. It's a major investment of effort and time. And you're right, Tammy. You got to find, you got to make sure that the surgeon's on the right page of, of what you're looking for. And it's a big decision to make. Mm. Um, when I had my rhinoplasty, it was actually uh, it was the end of my training in, in Los Angeles, and I had the, the the classic North Indian you know big bump on my nose, mm-hmm. and um, you know I wasn't too bothered by it. Um, I I, I kind of made some comments to my my preceptor every once in a while, kind of like joking around about about my big nose. And one day he said, "Look, Doc, you can't go to Austin and sell rhinoplasty with that nose. We're <laughs> going to fix that nose." and I kind of went along with it because Mm. i was actually curious i thought it'd be a good part of my own education you know in medical school we draw blood on each other Mm. we get into the mri machine we sort of try out some of the treatments and the testing that we put our patients through so i thought this would be sort of the ultimate uh education for me is to go through a surgery that i put my patients through and it was (laughs) a great experience you know i i had pain i had blood coming out of different places i was staring at myself and analyzing my face in ways that I hadn't been doing before, mm. and so these are all things that are very helpful for me to have been a patient when I'm putting people through the same. Yeah. Um, and Tim, and one thing you said earlier about uh, you know the the fear of making a big change, mm-hmm. um, I think that that is a very very interesting topic, and in my experience, the more prominent and iconic someone's face is yeah the more cautious everyone should be about it Mm. there's another famous actress who won an oscar um, who had a blepharoplasty that was too aggressive for her Um, and it changed her look zoiger I didn't say it.
3: Oh, I mean, it was so. <laughs> aw- yeah. I was like, what yeah. is
2: going on? That's yeah. really sad right. too, because and now that
4: everyone it. knows. Had, right, her, her full eyelids were what, yeah. an iconic feature of who she was. Yeah. Right? What was right? it? So
2: she had her so, eyelids done. She had her. What did she have done? You think
4: she had? Um, my best guess is she oh. had a blepharoplasty, oh. which mm-hmm. is an upper eyelid surgery mm. to remove fullness, and it was too aggressive. There's, there's, you can do conservative surgery you can do aggressive surgery she had the kind of surgery where if she were not an A-list celebrity
2: mm.
4: we would have offered her the surgery that she got
2: mm. but
4: because that was an iconic aspect of who she is uh, on the screen and as a celebrity um you know the the change needed to be a lot more subtle mm. because the, i mean uh you, you know tamin you, you probably recognize this but fans Fall in love with their yeah. their stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they feel like they almost have a personal relationship with the star, even though there isn't one. And that phenomenon, when when a change happens to the appearance of their beloved star, mm-hmm. they notice it and they're upset by it and it mm-hmm. it, it changes their relationship with the star. and mm-hmm. so so and it's not just um, you know, um actresses and actors, but it's also you know people who who have very public roles in their society or Mm -hmm. who are very social and know a lot of people and have and and really get out in their social circles these are situations where we 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 tend to be a lot more cautious about big changes
3: Mm. so going back to the botox that i'm gonna get one day (laughs) with you (laughs) no um yeah what are the because people don't you know talk about this as much. And mm. we did when I spoke to you, cause I was interested in getting Botox and I never did it, but, and I will only do it with you. I promise. Cause I'm that nervous, <laughs> but you had to talk through, you know, the risks as well yep. and very rare, but they can happen. Mm. Can you please tell the story about how there was a risk of, I don't know if it was filler or Botox, but mm. someone else's patient went through filler or Botox and they actually lost their vision. And you told me this just before I was supposed to get it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. We can just do a hydro facial. <laughs> um, and, but you had to tell me that cause you know, you have to talk about the risks, but that you actually are in charge pretty much of, and everyone knows that if something goes wrong, that they come to you because you actually helped her get her vision back. Mm. Can you explain that? <gasps>
4: Yes. So, so, you know, of course, any medical procedure has risks. And, you know, just like when you drive down the street in a car, you could get, you know, smashed by a truck on the side. You know, there's, there's risks that happen with everything we do in life. Mm. So these are the kinds of ways we talk about risks in medicine. Um, And we try to use facts and percentages to try to put things in perspective. So uh, what you're talking about specifically is the risk of going blind from filler. Mm-hmm. And that is a, tr- a real risk that does exist with fillers, uh, especially when the fillers are injected around the eyes, which is one of the more common areas to inject mm-hmm. fillers. And the way that can happen is that filler is actually a clear gel. And by filler, I'm, I'm, I'm really talking about the hyaluronic acid fillers that we call HA fillers like Restylane or Juvederm or some of those products. They're some of the most commonly used cosmetic non-surgical treatments. And these fillers have a consistency of a gel toothpaste
2: mm.
4: and they they can be injected either with a needle or a cannula, which is basically like a needle with a blunt tip. Mm-hmm. And by by chance, it's possible that the needle could enter into a blood vessel when it's being injected into the face. And then when the injector is pushing the syringe plunger, the filler could go into a blood vessel and then the filler can then go into the blood vessel and into an area where it's not supposed to be, uh, such as the central retinal artery of back oh. of the eye, <laughs> or one of the structures around the eye. So these kinds of crazy scenarios have happened. Uh, fortunately, they're exceedingly rare. Not zero. The risk is not zero. Uh, the risk of getting injured in a car or having you know lots of other scenarios of, of injuries are probably a lot higher than than having blindness from filler, mm. uh, but here are ways to reduce that risk. And so, you know, the more experience an injector has, they know where some of the bigger blood vessels are that you need to avoid around the eye region or the face or wherever the injections are supposed to be. Mm. That's one, one thing that you can choose as a consumer is how do I find a filler injector who's going to be, have lower risk of, of, of some of these complications. Another uh, major way to reduce the risk is to have your injector not use a needle, but use a cannula. So a needle is much more capable of penetrating a blood vessel than a cannula is. I think the, the risk of blindness from filler with a cannula is about as close to zero as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, all the cases I'm aware of of where filler blindness occurred happened with, uh, with needles. Um, Now, there's another category of of complications that are related to this, which is that you can have filler also uh, push against a blood vessel and reduce the blood supply to the skin. And that's called necrosis. You don't want necrosis. It's not a good thing. It leads to basically loss of the skin in the area where the necrosis happens.
1: Uh, (laughs) I've seen cases of
4: necrosis. I've seen Uh, a case of um, someone who was losing their vision from, from filler. Um, And that's the, that's the third thing that I would suggest that that consumers uh, sort of do their homework on is that you want to make sure your filler injection has experience in managing complications from filler, because there are, there's an antidote to some of these fillers. You can inject an enzyme to make it disappear Mm. pretty much immediately. uh, And, and that, that enzymes called hyaluronidase and, and, you know, we stock it in our office. And so, you know, in Austin, a lot of the clinics know that if one of these dreaded complications comes up, they, they call us. You, and <laughs> you, you see patients that to, to come in urgently and, and we have to like sort of clear the clinic and have them come in and get all the hyaluronidase out and start treating them. Um, and so there's there are ways to treat some of these complications, and I know this conversation is probably scaring everybody away from. Filming. I know, I was like, I know. Well, "Well,
1: you're well, like, this well, is about. Well, let's <laughs> <do that>. let's <laughs> talk about the good things.
4: <laughs> but um, you know, I would say that these risks are really, really low, and you know, there's millions of injections that are happening that don't have these complications, mm. and so, but you know, part of our duty as as physicians are to really like lay out the facts. Yeah. You know, here's mm-hmm. the good. Here's the bad. You know, here are the options. Yeah. You know, Um. And and you can choose whatever you'd like. And so Botox
3: still have the blind thing too, or no? That we're good to go with that. Yeah. So,
4: so blindness is not associated with Botox. Oh,
3: good. Oh, good. I didn't know that. Okay. Okay.
4: Yeah. Botox does have some other stuff. But, well, but the good thing about Botox is it's totally, uh, con, you know consumed metabolized by the body within three months, approximately good and bad, which is why you have to go back and get it if you like it. Yeah. But it can cause a droopy lid. If the Botox goes in, you know, into an area that we didn't, we don't intend it to go to, Uh there's a muscle that lifts the eyelid up like a garage door. And if the Botox penetrates back towards that muscle, you can have a temporary droopy lid uh, for a month or two even. And so, That, that, that can be a problem. I, I've mm. seen that happen even in my patients, rarely. Um, things that increase the risk of that if, is if you've had surgery around your eyes mm. um, or if you're trying to get a little too aggressive with the Botox, the Botox is too close to the eye, eye itself. Mm. Uh, the other issue that can come up super rarely is that Botox can also get to one of the muscles that moves the eye around uh-huh. and that can lead to temporary double vision. Um, these are super rare situations <laughs> and um, you know, but they're reversible. That's the good thing. Yeah. Then they're, they're not permanent.
2: But okay. So, cause we hear all about the different injectables, right? There's like yes. fillers, there's Botox, there's disport, there's Zeman or Zyman or whatever that yes, name is. Yes, yes. How do you pick which injectable is right for you? Mm, and sure. what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference?
4: Yeah. yeah let's talk about the difference between Botox okay. and fillers. Sorry. We should have done that first. So um, <laughs> Botox is a molecule that was found you know, as a bacterial product that basically reduces the contraction of muscles. Mm. And there's a famous medical condition called botulism, Mm. which is why we don't feed honey to infants, because historically, not really anymore, but historically, this bacteria, clostridium, would grow in the honey and sometimes produce enough Botox that would actually paralyze infants and lead to to death in some cases. And we're talking about 50 years ago. And and Mm. these situations don't happen anymore, but that's where Botox was sort of discovered. And it was originally, uh, developed for the medical community for patients who have this unusual condition called blepharospasm where their eyes squeeze so tight, they can't open their eyes. Mm. And so in the, up until the mid eighties, the surgery people had used to have surgery to try to get their eyes to open up because it's such a terrible condition. Fortunately, it's pretty rare. uh, but, Botox was developed to treat these patients and it would weaken the muscle around the eye, that would squeeze mm. so that they could actually mm. open their eyes and, and live a more normal life. But lo and behold, as time went by, we saw all these patients also weren't getting, getting wrinkles and they weren't getting <laughs> furrows in their brow and they weren't getting crinkles around their eyes. And mm. so that's where the billion dollar industry of Botox was born is that people started using this FDA drug that was approved for this particular reason, off mm. label mm. for cosmetic purposes. And and then you know everything has sort of grown from there. And so what does Botox do? It, it's really good for softening the crinkles in the outer part of the eyes, also called a crow's feet area. Mm-hmm. It's also really good for treating the furrows in between the eyebrows, also known as the 11 lines. Mm-hmm. When it's done really nicely and artistically, it can actually act like a little bit of a mini brow lift and lift the tissue up off the eyes. I call that a medical brow lift. Sometimes I think people overdo it and treat the entire <laughs> forehead where there's no movement at all. And that's definitely something that I'm I'm not a fan of. I, I don't like it when people have a totally paralyzed forehead. There's no expression. Mm. And, and that's just not normal. And, and people, I would say lay people may not notice that the forehead's not moving. But they'll recognize that something's just odd about this person.
3: Yeah, they see something weird or
4: yeah. they'll mm. say it looks kind of plastic because before it's shiny, you know? So, so Botox is definitely, injections of Botox is an artistic thing that has mm-hmm. to be done cautiously for each individual, care, you know, customized to their own muscle anatomy. Zomin and Disport are competitors that have come up uh, that all, basically offer the same. A benefit is Botox. Botox has been around the longest, but there are other uh, similar uh, products on the marketplace now. And to be honest, from my perspective as, as a as a cosmetic surgeon, these um, different products are so similar. It's like a Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. There's really not mm-hmm. a big difference between them. Yeah. Um, sometimes the companies will market huge differences because they're trying to showcase something that might be unique about their product and and, and trying mm-hmm. to get consumers to ask for their product. But mm-hmm. I think in general, most of these, we call them chemo, chemo denervation agents. That's the mm-hmm. technical term. Uh, they're all very similar. Now, the other category we're talking about here is fillers. So fillers are designed to fill the face where we've lost volume. Mm-hmm. And so one of the most common areas for that is the under eye area, when people start to get the bags in the under eye mm-hmm. area. Because cheek volume is is going away and you start to see one of the ligaments of the face that separates the eye from the cheek. Mm. And that starts to create that little hollow in the under eye area. And people start to notice that in their thirties. And that's when people start to think about maybe using filler Mm. as an option because fillers can be injected into these regions to kind of fill out and plump up the areas where volume loss has occurred. Mm. The temples are another area. The lips are another area Mm. in front of the gels. Here's an interesting fact is that as we age, we also lose bone volume of our face, Mm. especially our jawbone. And so as we lose jawbone volume, the soft tissue starts to hang over it more. Yeah, It starts to make the neck look a little bit more saggy. Mm. So we'll oftentimes put filler along the jawline to sort of reverse the appearance of some of that bone loss to kind of fill things out. And it can drag some of the jowl and neck tissues back into a more youthful looking configuration. And of course, all of this needs to be done cautiously without overdoing mm-hmm. it to keep it looking natural. And there's so many different types of fillers. Th- the, some of the brand names mm-hmm. include Restylane, Juvederm, bellotero There are some other types of fillers that are, are are different from this reversible category that I was talking mm-hmm. about, like Radiest, Sculptra. Those aren't really reversible. So those mm-hmm. are products that we generally don't offer early on. They have to be for patients who have a predictable area that we know they're gonna love their volume and we want to put it in and get more longevity out of it. Mm. So so that's what those are for.
3: And now I've been going down the route lately. I haven't done injectables but more about I do something called BBL which is broadband light mm. I do that every two to three weeks mm. yeah. um, I get freaked out you know me with my vision they tape my eyes shut and I'm like I can't see I can't see <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna go blind okay. um, but they because the light's really bright and they said well you can if you look into the light I'm like okay I'm not gonna look um, but it's just really uh, it's like a warm flash of light kind of a little bit like an elastic, elastic band I don't really know mm. what's happening but I am noticing yeah. really small gradual changes over I've done it now almost I think it's three times I've done it yeah. um, it's not really painful like at all uh so that I've been doing I want to talk more about that I've been doing microneedling every month mm. yeah um which is something I you know the Kardashians did the blood facial that which they were talking about, which has mm. had micro to it, and then everyone's started to go, "Oh, what is this?" Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that that's helped my skin a bit too. Mm. Um, there's other things like peels, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's uh something called the laser. halo. So, mm-hmm. can we talk laser? Can we talk mm-hmm. about treatments that mm-hmm. aren't injectables if you want sure. to freshen up your face that isn't, you know, invasive? No.
4: Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so BBLs, um, that stands for broadband light. Is in the category of other devices that people also call photofacials or IPL or intense false light. And basically, this is broad spectrum light energy hmm. that is penetrating into the skin. And it's preferentially absorbed by darker pigments, which hmm. would include blood vessels or pigment spots. And so as we age and as we get sun damage, we start to get broken blood vessels under the skin that can lead to redness. We also get pigment spots or solar solar changes. And these are areas where that bright light will hit harder, actually create a little focal damage and inflammation to those areas. And then the body just kind of cleans up the mess and mm. uh, on a, on a microscopic level and you have less redness and less pigment spots from that mm. treatment. So, so th- these are great treatments. People with rosacea specifically get great benefit from some of these treatments. Anybody who has, Inflammatory skin, it's a great way to sort of make mm. the skin look less red and inflamed. Now, there's a whole category of invasive laser skin treatments and then non-invasive skin treatments. And so IPL, BBLs, these are sort of in the non-invasive category. Mm-hmm. Uh, radiofrequency is also in that category that can tighten skin a little bit. I think a lot of the marketing is a little bit um, strong for the kind of benefits you really get from radiofrequency. frequency. But um, in, in the invasive category, microneedling is technically invasive because you're actually having a needle, multiple needles penetrate the skin to the depth of one or two millimeters. And when you do that all over the skin, it's kind of like, you know, when people have a lawn and they need to aerate the lawn and they get the plugs pulled out of the grass. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're creating a, a minor traumatic injury to the skin that the skin can easily recover from. But... When it recovers from that, it's producing collagen, it's getting a little more swollen, and it sort of helps to tighten the skin. Uh, Ongoing microneedling can have, you know, true long-lasting tightening effects for the skin. Um, That's sort of, I would say, the the, the least invasive invasive skin treatment. Mm. And then from there, you you start talking about fractionated CO2 or Erbium lasers, which is what the HALO laser is. HALO is a brand name. Of an erbium laser, um, and we use those lasers frequently. Uh, I know clinics all around the world. You know, we use these non-invasive and invasive treatments, and you know, invasive treatments um, have higher benefits, but they also have a little bit of downtime. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of build in a, maybe a week, or approximately, or more, depending on how how much is being done with the invasive treatment. And there may be some ointment that has to be applied to the skin afterwards. But that gives you. Um, A better ability to improve things like skin texture and wrinkles. Because when you're um, lasering the skin, you're basically creating uh again traumatic injury to the skin that's a little bit more than microneedling. And then the healing process, you're harnessing the you know, the millions and millions of years of evolution that's built into our body, that when you create that micro trauma again, collagen production, skin contraction happens. And it's one of the most powerful ways that we have in aesthetic medicine Mm -hmm. to really reverse aging. I'm a big fan of of fractionated lasers for that
2: reason. Mm. So would you get lasers before you would do injectables? Like for the, like, let's say you were going to do all of them. Mm -hmm. Like, would you start with the laser first, see how far you get and then do the injectables after that? Or would it be the other way around?
4: Well, they sort of, uh, they they work on different problem areas. So okay. fillers add volume to the face, right? Uh, lasers treat the skin texture and tone. Uh-huh. And so a lot of what we're doing in a cosmetic evaluation is we sort of, we're sort of creating a problem list mm. of, you know, what is the patient feeling is the problem. And a lot of times um, patients don't have the words to explain what mm. they're noticing. And that's part of sort of, I think the, the fun and the challenge of what I do each day when I'm seeing patients in consult is to try try to figure out like, why are they here? What brought them in? People may not have the words to explain it, but we're trying to create a problem list. I'm trying to create a problem list where we're trying to understand, okay, she didn't say these words, but she wants tighter skin. Mm. Uh, Or maybe she did say the words and she wants to have more volume. And so what I like to do for patients who are just kind of dipping their toe in the water is let's let's work on the biggest problems let's work on mm-hmm. problem number one or two maybe we'll leave three to five out for now mm-hmm. um and you know if the number one problem is well i don't like the furrows between my eyebrows well let's just start with some botox you know mm-hmm. or if the number one problem is i don't like the shadows under my eyes well let's do one syringe of filler and see how that works for you a reversible filler mm-hmm. you know and then some people don't have those issues but they've they've been out in the sun and they've got skin textual issues then a, a halo laser would be a great first step. Uh, and sometimes we'll put together a plan where, okay, over the next two or three months, we're gonna schedule a few appointments. And every time you come in, we're gonna work on one area and mm-hmm. kind of just push the, push the front forward and address multiple areas at the same time. Um, I think that's what makes natural results is when you're addressing volume, gravity and skin texture, you know, in, all simultaneously, mm-hmm. but not getting too aggressive about any of that. Yeah. And that's what produces a natural result.
3: I think there's two major deterrents why people don't go in is and try to fix the problem areas that they have is one the fear of pain right of mm-hmm. how painful something's going to be and number two the costs so can mm-hmm. you talk about those two things because sure. I think a lot of people those are the main factors mm-hmm. why they don't get some skin yes.
4: yes absolutely well you know I think that um, pain. You know, does exist with any medical aesthetic treatment, mm-hmm. um, but it is one of those things that, generally speaking, it's usually more ma- uh, magnified in the patient's mind than it really right. is, mm-hmm.
1: um,
4: because it's just sort of the anticipation of you're you're sitting there, you're waiting for the needle to hit your skin, and when is it going to hit? When is it going to hit? So, but the actual pain, uh, so so we we'll, we'll notice, and we've actually done studies on this where uh, patients who are um, Botox virgins is what we call them. Compared to patients who have had Botox for you know ten years, they actually, with the same stimulus,
1: yeah. <laughs>
4: same needle, are perceiving less pain, mm-hmm. just because they're sort of they know what to expect. They're used mm-hmm. to it. And um, uh, you know, I think an analogy might exist with waxing and threading of eyebrows. You know, the mm. first before I got married, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm North Indian. Um, in my heritage, we tend to have a lot of facial hair. Mm. Uh, I had some seriously bushy eyebrows. Um, my <laughs> my wife dragged me over to her hair threading artist. And it was literally that scene a, you know, where yeah. you know I was getting threaded a week before the wedding, and I was screaming. You know,
2: <laughs> it was, it was imagine what childbirth feels like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: so you know but it's just a, a stimulus that one's not used to and i think that's mm. that's one of the hard things but there are ways to make it easier so there's numbing creams a lot of clinics including ours will have uh, nitrous devices now where you can kind of breathe Same. a little nitrous mm. to kind of just sort of make the whole thing easier and it comes out of your system within you know minutes so you can drive yourself home uh, some people will need a little Xanax before their procedure. And we mm-hmm. can do that if they have a driver or an Uber home.
3: What about um, alcohol? Is alcohol like a no-no? Cause I feel like I'm not a big oh, drinker, but when I have a glass yeah. of wine, I'm like, that's when I got my tattoos <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> I honestly felt like there was no pain.
4: <laughs> alcohol will definitely probably make it easier. But the problem is it also dilates your blood vessels and can make you bruise more. Mm-hmm. So... So we, we're not big fans of alcohol. Um, there I am know, with or... my vodka
1: bottle. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now, in terms of cost, um, yes, you know, any kind of aesthetic uh, procedure has a cost associated with it, um, and we try to be sensitive to that. And you know, we try to. Uh, and I, I'm not just speaking about me and my clinic. I really feel that the entire aesthetic industry, surgeons all around the world, they're sort of trying to get a sense of, you know, what is the patient sort of expecting in terms of cost, if there are some Mm -hmm. simple intro maneuvers that will make a real difference, there'll be a big bang for your buck. You know, I think about that from a surgical standpoint too, you know, some people come in and they really want to have a facelift and a neck lift and Mm -hmm. a brow lift and a lid lift and a lip lift and a this and a that. And I can sort of get the sense that this individual, that's going to be just not really, this can be too much for them. And yeah, we'll sort absolutely. of say, look, let's let's start with this. Let's start with something that's going to be the biggest bang for your buck.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, see how you like it. If you feel like you're getting value for what you just received, then you'll you'll feel maybe you'll feel okay investing more, uh, more time, effort, and money into proceeding with with the aesthetic plan. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good way to go. I think there's you know an average intro Botox treatment. And, and by the way, I, I, you know, Botox is a brand name of Allergan. I have no financial relationship with Allergan. I'm just sort of using it as the same way Xerox was used mm-hmm. for copies. Right. People use Botox in that way. So, you know, the average cost of Botox or any of the similar products, you know, as an intro treatment, it's under $500, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so, yes, that's, that's, you know, a decent chunk of money, mm-hmm. but. You know, people will also go to their hairdresser and spend easily something in that range as well. And so, you know, it's it, it's certainly something that's worth a try if you're curious because it's. I get really scared versatile. when
3: they're like sale price ninety nine dollars <laughs> per yeah, yeah. syringe. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want. I do
4: like, recommend the
3: Botox with like the cheap person. It's like seventy nine dollar <laughs> intro Botox. I'm like, mm, yeah. like I you wanna... know, butt lift for like <laughs> two grand. I'm like, I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to generalize, but. Yes, avoiding Groupon's and coupons <laughs> groupons. is a good idea because,
3: <laughs>
2: you know,
4: just like anything, you're gonna, you're going to kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. And yes,
2: you want to trust it. You, you want to be in are... trusted hands. Yes. you know, yes. with these types of things. That's, um, right. That's I, right. I also wanted to ask you about one more procedure that I've been seeing a lot of. That yeah. actually, we were with some friends this weekend, and one of the gals was telling me she had it done for her jowls as threads.
3: Oh, I was going to ask that too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sure. sure. So
3: threads
4: have actually been around for about 15 years, 10 to 15 years. They've kind of gone through two generations. The first generation, which was the original generation threads are, they're basically, you know, manufactured threads that have little micro barbs on them. Uh And so when they're placed into the tissues and pulled, they will actually grip the tissues and lift the tissues. Um, And, uh, the the original uh, version of threads were made out of material that does not absorb, and oh, okay. we are not fans of those threads because they can get infected. They can create inflammation. If mm-hmm. if you ever want to have a surgical procedure, it's sort of like kind of a big mess for us when we're operating to find threads mm-hmm. in the tissue. Now, the newer generation of threads is, are made out of absorbable sutures, and so it takes about nine months or so or a year for them to dissolve, um, which is good because you know it's just a lot less risk for long-term complications. Mm-hmm. Um, and the companies will say that the absorption will produce a little collagen. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's true mm-hmm. if it is it's pretty limited. <laughs> um, so I, I think that threads have a role for people who have very limited problems, such as just a little tiny bit of a pull here would make a nice difference for them. I think threads can be a good option for those people. Mm-hmm. As long as you recognize that it's only going to last about six to nine months. Yeah. That's and it's pretty amazing though.
3: When you see those yeah. procedures, it's like, it's yeah. pretty intense. It's,
4: it's not, it's not nothing. It's, 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 it is actually a, you know, is it a surgical procedure? Probably not technically because there's no incisions. But, but you're doing an invasive procedure, and there's risks yeah. involved. So yes, yeah, mm. in general, I will say that, um in our in our practice, we we do offer threads. Mm. It's not one of the things where we really offer very should. often because there's a very small group of people that actually would benefit from it
3: before <laughs> we let you go, we have to talk about your skin care because you actually, sent me some and i've used it all so please send me some more
4: happy to (laughs) do it because it's like
3: it's it's actually one of my favorite brands i've actually ever used um and i i I did notice a difference you know sometimes you have skincare and you pay money for it and it smells great but you don't notice anything and you've spent Mm -hmm. all this money so can you talk a little bit about your skincare and why it's different and why everyone should rush out and go get it
4: Yes, of course. I'm I'm very passionate about Avia, A-V-Y-A, which is my skincare line Mm -hmm. that that my aunt Deepika, and I uh, have uh, have created over the last several years. My aunt is actually uh, a pharmacist and an Ayurvedic expert. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, um, after my cosmetic surgery training, as I was out practicing medicine, in the world of medicine in general, we're all recognizing more and more that most disease happens because of inflammation. Mm-hmm. So it can be diabetes, it can be eczema, it can actually even be heart attacks. We're starting to recognize that almost every pathologic disease process is related to inflammation. And that's very much true for the skin right. and, and not just for you know skin cancer and uh, rosacea, but also, uh, aging of the skin is related to inflammation, and so just as I was sort of thinking about these things, my aunt came to me with her Ayurvedic background and said, "Look, we really need to put together a skincare line because, you know, I've been looking for skincare my whole life, and I don't think I found anything that worked as well as some of the Indian uh, herbal remedies that have been mm-hmm. around for thousands of years mm-hmm. that use Ayurvedic traditions." And we we kind of sort of merged some of the ideas she had with my background in traditional Western medicine to create this line. And the reason why I'm so excited about it is because we do, of course, use retinoids and vitamin C and Mm -hmm. peptides and hyaluronic acid and all the things that should be in a high quality skincare line. But, um, you know, I've found that Ayurvedic medicine it at at its core and this is becoming a buzzword these days what is ayurvedic medicine Mm -hmm. but in its core ayurvedic medicine is an ancient tradition from south asia that basically treats inflammation and Mm -hmm. so topical products like um turmeric and some of the different plant-based ingredients like ginger root Mm -hmm. um neem and some other active ingredients have been used forever uh, we we found ways to microencapsulate and use a lot of the Ayurvedic traditions and merge them with with uh, with modern skincare technology. And interestingly, uh, you know, I found that uh, you know with most typical uh, medical grade skincare lines, they work great, mm-hmm. but they actually produce a little bit of inflammation because the active ingredients are kind mm-hmm. of doing their work and maybe having some some side effects of irritation a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I found that the the Ayurvedic side of our skincare line balances almost like yin-yang, some of the infl- inflammation that, from the medical grade ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people who typically can't use retinoids or ingredients with salicylic acid or things like that, they'll find that, that these products work better because they have turmeric and ginger roots and other, some of those anti-inflammatory right. ingredients. And so, so that's really what makes our line uh, unique and 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 i'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, in fact, um, I use our vitamin C serum on healing wounds for yeah. uh, patients who are coming out of surgery or having laser resurfacing because again, that 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 sort of dual benefit of um, getting vitamin C into the skin that's healing, mm-hmm. but yet also delivering turmeric and anti-inflammatory ingredients into the skin. Mm-hmm. I think makes the healing a bit more rapid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, pro tip, uh, you know, if you're ever thinking about a cosmetic surgical procedure, I'm sure your local juice bar will offer a turmeric and pineapple drink. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to stock up on that because that's a great way to infuse your body with turmeric and bromelain, which is a powerful yeah. enzyme that's in pineapple. And that's something that I tell my patients to do as well.
3: Is curicatin anti-inflammatory? Because I felt like ever since I took that, I had COVID and I took curicatin and not only did I get over COVID pretty fast, the minute I started mm-hmm. taking it, um, I just feel like I never really get sick since I started it. You know, mm-hmm. It's it, that's it. I think it's an enzyme found in like blueberries or something or some kind of antioxidant, maybe. Yes, that's yes.
4: So antioxidants good. in general, um, you know, are, are helpful in so many ways because they reduce inflammation. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the antioxidants, and you know, um, I know we don't have enough time to speak about all the things I'm passionate about, but you know, I'm you really
1: passionate.
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm, I'm passionate
4: about diet as well. I yes. think diet has a huge impact on our health. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you mentioned, you know, uh, anti inflammatories from from fruit, you know, I I think that taking in Uh, blueberries and, and, and walnuts and anti-inflammatory whole foods around the time surgery can be really helpful for healing, but just in general, you know, reducing inflammation in our body by eating high quality foods that are are, anti-inflammatory are destined to reduce the disease in your body, not only inside, but also on your, in your skin.
2: That's so exciting. And I have to say, I've been using your whole line and I absolutely love it. So Thank many you. great standout products, mm-hmm. and um, it's just really, it's we said really, more, <laughs> right? We'll
4: do, we'll do, <laughs> right?
2: It's really, it's really, there's something for everybody, I feel like, in the line, and it's really, it's so user friendly and it gives you like all the things you want. You want that like dewy, glowy, beautiful skin, and mm-hmm. um, it's something that I, I mean, I'm really passionate about too. I love it, and it's rare that I find full lines that I love, like. Yeah basically every product, you know? And I think you guys have really nailed it with that.
4: Thank you, thank you. And you I think know? that one of the things that the Ayurvedic side does is that it, it really makes this line suitable for all different ethnicities mm-hmm. because a lot of the issues that um, brown and black skin patients face are, are, are historically have been different from those with lighter skin tones. But when, it, when, you, when you talk about reducing inflammation that's something that really helps everybody Mm -hmm. and and when you talk about complexion and dewy skin tones it doesn't matter what whether you're pale white or really dark everybody wants dewy complexion and Mm -hmm. and that's basically healthy skin that doesn't have inflammation
2: yeah uh-huh. well thank
3: you so much for coming we can't wait yes. to go to austin and get all the things <laughs> uh, I know. can we get a two for
2: one yeah. oh, we can get a two for two like we can go Hundred 100%, 100%, know yeah. people i know he's just you know that he's like looking at the screens right now already saying mm, i can do that no, i just
3: know he's not gonna make me blind and that's all i care
1: about <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank
3: Thanks you so, so much. Of it. We uh, appreciate you, you so, so much. It. And uh, where can people find you? And if they're Austin, mm. in Austin, where can they go see you? Mm.
4: So you can find me on, on social media at Dr. Nakra, D-R-N-A-K-R-A. Um, our skincare line is aviaskincare.com. Uh, and I practice at TOC uh, in Austin. And you can find us online pretty easily.
3: Amazing. So well, I can't wait to see you and your amazing wife again, even yes. though she's
2: knitting the bed. Yes, you have me to like, like. I need to be a better person. <laughs> yes, you have to give us like send send her our love because I will,
4: I will. She 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 misses you guys, and I, I hope we can all get together
3: soon. That'd be yes. wonderful. Well, thanks guys so much. This was such an interesting episode. Please let us know. Mm-hmm. Any other guests that you would like to have on the show? Um, that was a great hour and a bit. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. We are Women on Top Official on Instagram.
2: And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And just to echo what Taman said. Right, rate, subscribe, and comment. Subscribe, and comment. Just do it. Because oh, yes. we know you're there. We know yes. you're listening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. Join us. Join us at this party. <laughs> okay,
3: thank you so much, guys. I am Tem and Sursok.
2: And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on Top. <laughs> <laughs>